You are now tuned in from the desk of low. Brought to you by from the Dat Feeling Podcast Network. If you have a dream, go get it. Welcome back from de- Welcome back from the desk of low. I have with me an upcoming producer. He uh, actually produced um, Fire Project, uh, the Survivors of G4 Jig. Um, done a lot of mixing and mastering for my guy Flea. So big shout out to Flea. Um, I have with me on the phone Big French. Yo, 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 what's good, y'all? How you doing, sir? I'm chilling, I'm chilling. So, I'm just, uh, you came across my radar with, um, actually on Instagram when, um, I think it was like Flea or somebody like that tagging you in, uh, in the album credits for Lower Talk 2. And then you really got put on my radar when, um, I listened to that Survivor's album, too. So, I'm just wondering, where did the Big French story start off? Uh, the story starts off back in 1995, my dude. Oh, wow, I was only five. Say again? I was only five. He was five years old. That's when I sold my first beat in 1995 to KRS-One. Oh, really? What beat was that? Yeah. Um, it's a song called The Automatic. Oh, okay. So... Teacher and Fat Joe. So, when you um get, like, a placement like that for early on, because you've probably seen the change in the industry, how were people like that getting a hold of you back then? Because, like I said, there was no Instagram back then. Nah, back then, it was everything was about the phone call. You know, there was still, you know, cell phones and stuff. And uh, a lot of it was face-to-face. Like, you'd meet these dudes at the club, and you'd work it out. A lot of, a lot of major deals was done right in the club. Oh, so that's where they broke a lot of records, too. Absolutely. So, um, with that being said, too, um, when you first got that placement with KRS-One, when, when, were you making beats for, like, local artists, like, um, and just handing them out? Or were people just coming up to you be like, yo, French, I'm going to need that fire from you? Um, I had artists back then. Um, but I was just, back then, like, this was before the world went digital, so I was just, like... One of those producers, I'd put my beats on cassette and send my cassettes out to the world, you know what I'm saying? And hopefully I get a call back. And, it, and I wonder what... Oh, go ahead, sir. Uh-huh. Go ahead, sir. Now, so then one day I got a call back from Kara's one. He was on my phone, like, yo, I need that beat. And next thing you know, I'm in the studio with him. And see, and that's, this, that's an yeah, this error, good. too. We had to go to the studio with the artist as opposed to sending the emails back and forth. Right, now, it was no send the beat off and wait for them to send you back a finished song, now. Nah, you had to be there, you had to actually produce a record back then, you know what I mean? It's very different now. Because yeah, I heard, um, mind you, like, I'm just getting, I'm not a producer, but I'm just understanding everything above it, too, because in my theory, I believe the producer deserves just as much credit as the artist, if not even more. Oh, absolutely, I mean... To this day, no no artist or no rapper has ever went platinum with an acapella. So with that being said, you kind of need the producer. Yeah, well, and it's also part of my theory, too, that all of these artists are going to need two things. A producer and somebody to interview them. Mm-hmm. And it all, comes, it all comes together. Well, so with, with your discography and being around since 1995, what are a couple of your favorite beats that you still play from time to time? Of my own or of somebody else? Of yours. Of mine, um, wow. Uh, there's an artist named, um, what's this kid's name? Uh, Wretch. Wretch, I did a song for him a few years ago. 
and it's on SoundCloud, I believe. The song is called Nickel Bags by Wretch, and I play that from time to time. That's one of my favorite joints. I did a remix for E-40 and Too Short. That's on YouTube. I did that a while back. I like that's one of my favorite beats as well. Um, I've done a few things. Um, I did a joint for Cameron. I did a joint for Alicia Keys. I did a joint for, there's an artist named Chuck Turner. Of course, G4 Jag. You know, just, I, I let the people decide, really. I, don't, I mean, I play my stuff for myself. I listen to a lot of my own beats, but I like to hear other people that give me inspiration. You know what I'm saying? Like, Pete Rock is still one of my favorite producers. Um, of course, DJ Premier. You know, I like to listen to those dudes' beats and gives me inspiration to do what I want to do. You know what I mean? You come from that authentic, real uh, golden era. That's what I call the golden era. Yeah, absolutely. The golden era. Absolutely. That's my time. Um, you know, but I, luckily I was able to kind of um, not conform, but kind of just, you know, I'm able to keep up with the times. You know what I'm saying? I make trap beats. I make drip beats. I make any kind of beat. It doesn't matter. But, but my heart is with Boom Bap. You know what I'm saying? That's where I'm from, and that's where I'm going to always... That's where my heart lies. Well, you can definitely tell, too, because if you're producing for such big artists like that, but you still go back and hit the underground, that just shows that you like you really do like are authentic with it. And that's rare to find nowadays, because when... like. And nowadays, like, you know how you said you got that placement of Felicia Keys? I know people nowadays, they won't be so humble about it. They'll be like, oh, yo, that one Alicia Keys, and they'll, they'll stop, and they won't go for more. But you, like, you went back and did a whole album of G4J, like, showing dedication to the craft. That album fire, by the way. Oh, thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I mean, when it comes to the, to, to the game in general, I'm, I'm, I'm always be a student of the game. I'm always trying to learn and build, but... You know, I can't stay in the past. I mean, these things I've done and these artists that I've met and worked with, I mean, it was a pleasure. And it was always a stepping stone as a, in the learning process. But, you know, life goes on. And I got to keep making new stuff. That's where you get the Flea, Flea Lords and the G4 Jags. You know what I'm saying? You need that new that new fresh blood, you know? Exactly. Got to keep innovating. Um, with, with uh, your boom bap too being like such because I bars been coming back and just people are now starting to catch on. Um, when when you come to like mixer mixing and mastering too, do you think that a lot of producers don't mix and master their own stuff? No, they don't. A lot of them don't have that knowledge because mixing and mastering is an art, and the edge I think that I have over a lot of them is that I've been just doing it for so long. You know, I was actually an engineer before I was a producer. I started engineering in 92 and got my first placement as a producer in 95. You know, so um, I've been engineering just as long as I've been producing. So it comes natural to you. Yeah, so it's like hand-to-hand, but uh, unfortunately, with a lot of the producers today, they just make beats. They don't engineer, you know? they make. They, you got to have a little bit of engineer knowledge to make beats because you have to mix your beat and make sure it sounds good. And when usually with a lot of producers, that's where it stops, you know? But I'm from beginning to end. I can produce the beat, record the song, mix the song, and master the song. I do it all. I'm all in-house. And and when when you get inspired to do a beat too, because um I noticed like producers have a very wide uh, selection of genres they listen to. Is there a certain genre that you that you listen to to get inspired from that the people wouldn't think that you would listen to, like a jazz or like or or like um like an old country album? I don't even want to say country, but something like along those lines. Um, 
I'm probably, as far as like a boom bap producer goes, I'm probably like your typical boom bap producer. I listen to, like, my favorite thing to listen to is break beats. Oh, okay. You know, break beats uh, and uh, soul, soul, seven, like from the 70s, that era. Like, I, I, in my personal opinion, the best music in the world has ever was made in the 70s. Can you name a few of those artists that out there? Because like I love going back and like back in time and finding old music that came before me. Um. Well, as far as great beats are concerned, um, there's the uh, what's the name of these dudes? Um, me, I, I, excuse me, I'm having a brain fart. I just smoked oh, a nice blunt. <laughs> <laughs> all good. But um. There's the Dusty Fingers collection. Um, of course, Bob James. Um, like the breaks from, like the, I used to be a DJ too, so that's kind of where I got all my records from. Yeah. Like the break beats that I have them on vinyl. So, you know, it's just the break beats, 70s cuts, you know, some 60s. Uh, very little 50s but I like to go back a little bit though and I'm looking at everything I'm not just looking at so I'm, I like to listen like when I'm making beats sometimes what I'll do is I'll just randomly and I, I'll throw this little secret out there to the other producers what I'll do is I'll randomly pick a country and I'll go through that through that country's catalog of music you know what I'm saying like for instance I'll say I don't know Ireland and I'll check Ireland's music and see what this shit is like then I'll go over to Turkey or Brazil or wherever and you never know what you'll find. You'll find some funky shit in some of these countries. Yeah, true. I do that with hip hop, but I never, I never um, actually done that with all genres. That's actually an interesting process. Yeah, I mean that's just for like when I'm making beats. You know what I'm saying? This way, it's, you know, you only get a fresh sound that way. You're not stagnant in one one place. Because if you get all your sounds from the same place, all your beats are gonna sound the same. Yeah, that's true. That's true, and you want and, you want to have a wide selection of sounds too. Yeah, I mean, even if you if, if you really listen to G Four Jack's album, there may be like I think there's only like two joints on that entire album that I didn't produce. Yeah, the rest of them is all the rest of them are all me. And even if you listen to those eight songs that I left, they, they don't sound the same. You would think a different producer did each one. That's what I thought until I looked at the credits. I'm like, I got to find out who we produced in these tracks, and I realized that. Your name was on that too, and on the track "Save Me" featured somebody else produced that track. But like, like yeah, that's, that's Jimmy Dukes. That's Jimmy Dukes. Oh, okay. Shout out to Jimmy Dukes. Yeah, shout out to Jimmy Dukes, and shout out to Billy Slang, who did a uh, uh, Fly Talk uh, Three. Oh, and with um with um G Four Jag too, um, would you say that's the first project? Because like, cause I'm just getting into your discography. Um, would you say? Your G Four Jag is the first majority album that you produced fully, or let's say EP. This this album is not the first. We've done several projects and a bunch of mixtapes that you can look up. There's the Nine uh, Eleven Survivors projects that we put out a couple years ago. Even last year, we did a project, and we just keep we just have to stay consistent. This one is just the first, like. We're really putting our all into this one here, you know what I'm saying? Like all the backing and we're giving this one the biggest push. Well you can tell too with the artwork and like the vinyls that you guys are coming up with and the cassettes, you can tell like you guys are really pushing that record. Yeah. I mean I, I think it's worthy of that push. You know? 
Yeah. It deserves that that kind of look because it's really that classic of an album. I'm not only saying that because I produced it. I'm just like, when I listen to records, I sit back and listen to them as if I didn't know the person and if I didn't produce it. And I give it a very objective look and say to myself, you know, this is, is this good? You know what I mean? Not because you did it, but is it good in general? And this album is special. I can say that with full confidence. And with the with the the album being like such like um I want to say it's a significant part to uh 2019 because it's been getting a lot of feedback. Did you um when you when you were going through all the tracks because when I interviewed G four he said he had a lot of tracks like like over a hundred tracks for that album. I'm just wondering yeah. if you do all um, of those hundreds. Yeah. Well, maybe I've done at least like say out of a hundred songs I did about eighty of them. Oh, okay. You know, and then we have Flea Law come in and kind of A&R the project, you know, and pick the songs that we were going to put on the album. So the songs that's on The Survivors, <coughs> uh, Flea picked those. And and like like um when G four Jake too when he sat in the sessions and too were you in those sessions when you guys were um going through all those records or was that him just in G four? Nah, we were all together. Oh okay. Yeah, because I had to play, I had to play them the songs because they're all the songs were in my studio. And, and yeah, and you didn't, and like I said, you didn't want to go back and forth with the email. If you can just bring them over to the studio, it's like I right, nah. break it down. I mean, yeah, I mean, actually, to tell you the truth, Flea is here right now. Oh, <laughs> really? Yep. Hold up, please. Yo, again, my nigga? What the fuck? <laughs> my G, like, this is crazy again, my G. Peace, bro. How's everything good? Everything going good, man. You know, I'm staying on the grind, man. I'm constantly in the studio recording, man. All right, that's what it is, bro, man. All right, do your thing, man. I'm going to let French get busy. All right, my G, salute, Flea. All right. Yeah, so, yeah, man, we, we're, we're a very tightly-knit group here. You know, we, keep, we stay together and make sure, you know, all the work is right. With, um, with, because I believe you can speak things into existence, too. Is there an artist that you would want to work with that you haven't got to work with yet? Um, yeah, there are a few artists I would like to work with. I mean, I, I, I still love the locks, you know. Jada Kiss, Styles P and them. Those my dudes. I would love to get in the studio with them. Um, I mean, it's a it's a lot. You know, I, I'm I'm the kind of producer. I want to get my hands in everything. So anybody who's ready to work, get at me, MadBullProductions.com, and we're ready to work. And then for people who want to haul out a big French too, you're reasonable with the prices. I'm guessing too. Um, I keep my prices, you know, reasonable. You know, what I'm saying I'm not trying to break nobody. I'm not trying to break the bank. But, you know, I got to eat, just like everybody else got to eat and pay bills, you know? Exactly. Because you can't be just doing stuff for free and not expecting something out of it, too. But in the beginning, nah. you got to do a lot of the groundwork, though. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's called paying dues, you know? Mm. But I've, got, I've been in this game long enough. I think I paid my dues and then some already. So it's time to just, you know, make good music and collect I think. <laughs> I, I would say that KRS one right there just gave you your dues right there. KRS like he, I heard he's like one of the hardest people to get a hold of in hip hop. KRS? Yeah. Yeah, he's probably hard to reach. He's doing a lot of things, and remember, he's the teacher, so he's busy, you know. But 
There's there's a few cats that you know are, are privy enough to be able to put their you know finger on them. When I interviewed OC um, from digging in the crates, um, we had a very dope conversation about how um, how hip hop in the park was very big in New York and how that time can never be recreated. Just wondering, were you you were obviously there for that time too? Oh yeah, I was a young I was a youngster, but I was there for a lot of the park jams. And no, it can never be recreated because the society isn't set up to where they would even let that happen. I mean. Like, you also understand, like, back then, they were stealing electricity from light poles and stuff like that. They were outside with big uh, speakers and loud sounds with no permits. And the way things are, like, in New York now, the moment you cut on some music, the cops are coming. You know, somebody's on the phone calling the cops and complaining, and they just wouldn't let it happen now. You'd wind up either getting arrested or getting your equipment broken or, you know, something that wouldn't be good. You know, so if you wasn't there, it's just something that you kind of missed it. You missed it. No, I definitely miss it, but I'll give anything to go back and just try to go. Because, like like I said, I, I was just a kid during that era. and But, like, I swear I was born in the wrong era because I don't relate to all this new stuff. Like, I find, I go back and, I, like, I just looked at my playlist. It's from 91 to 99. Right. Well, well, with all the real stuff that's coming out, too. Like, Flea, West Side, all them. Yeah, see, here's the thing. What's missing in music in general, and, and there's no just to the trap people who make trap music, but the difference between boom bap and trap music is really hard to make a song that has a lot of meaning with trap, because trap is all about the turn up. Yeah. And, but with boom bap, you got thought-provoking raps, you got, you know, sad, happy, like, you can, you can evoke emotion with boom bap songs, you know what I'm saying? Would you, like, consider, like, to, um, because this is one of my theories on, uh, how trap came about. It's like a modern-day sound. Like, like, how, like, it's like a robotic sound, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's tempo-wise, it's, like, first of all, you gotta understand, there's two ways to always look at a tempo. Uh, a single time and then double time. So, you got most trap beats somewhere in the area, like, 140 beats a minute which would actually also translate into 70 beats a minute, which is extremely slow. Where you got traditional hip-hop somewhere around 88 to 95. You know what I'm saying? So you got trap music, it, it vibrates very slow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when you vibrate slow, you know, it just, we should all be vibrating very highly. You know what I mean? That's very true. That's very true. Um, with your catalog too, um, I was checking out too. Um, was it called uh, Un "Unlucky Matters"? Wiles Martyr. Say again. There was something that I seen like of on albums of the year. I don't know if you produced that one, but it was called "Unlucky Matters." By who? Wiles Martyr. No, that's not me. Oh, okay, then that's definitely on the wrong list. I was looking up that shit. All right, I just want to make sure. No, that's not me. Well, what I found out, there's there's a few other big Frenches running around the industry yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. When I Googled your name, like, more than one just came up. I'm like, oh. Yeah, because you got you to gotta actually, like, sometimes you got to put big French in my company, Madball Productions. Yeah, together, so people can actually find, like, the, like, the big French who yeah. produce that real artistic music. <laughs> yeah, but well, I'm the original big French. I'm the very first one. My real name is Frenchie, so you know anybody who knows me knows I'm the original big French. There was no big Frenches before me. 
And make sure, I want to make sure everybody heard that loud and clear from the desk. Well, there was no other big French before this one right here. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and before, who was, who was the other guy? French Montana. I don't know where he came from. He just dropped out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was, um, with your name too, did you, like, from the very beginning, like, the very, very beginning, was it always Big French? Always. I've never changed my name since it was given to me. I, I didn't give myself this name. This name was given to me, because that's how it is in, in, in the original days of hip-hop. You didn't get your name. Someone had to give you a name. Yeah, because nowadays you people know? be using their Instagram names as their rap name. It's like triple X something. I'm like, uh, I don't even know how you say that. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the, the whole, you know, social media generation, so if we don't understand it, we don't really deal with it like that, but it is what it is, you know? You know, uh, you gotta kind of deal with it. I, I plan, like, trying to change that, because uh, Tech from Smith & Weston, um, he told me that um, be the bridge to the generation gap, and, like, I noticed, like, people my age, they don't really, like, know who, like, and and this shit still fucks me up today. They don't know who, like, a Buckshot or General Steel, but then they'll be listening to rap saying they know everything about it. It's like, no, you guys don't, because you guys don't go back and do the research. Well, I blame it. What it is, is, like, a lot of these kids are just lazy. You know, I mean, you guys, that generation, they got it so easy. You guys, we didn't have an internet. You know, we didn't even have cell phones back then. You want to talk to somebody, you had to get up, get dressed, go to their motherfucking house. Yeah. to talk to them, you know what I'm saying? It was no, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's very different now. And you guys got all the resources, all the Googles and that can tell you the history of hip-hop, you know, and what happened, what we did, and how it was, you know what I mean? It's very different now, but it's a personal thing. You got to want to do it. Yeah, everyone tells me that. Everyone says, like, you got to really want to go back and find out the history if you really do care about this culture. But it's just like, I just can't stand when people are like, yo, I love this culture, but they don't know who came before them. Yeah, you ask them a simple question, like, who's Cool Hurt? Who's <laughs> DJ Cool Hurt? And they're like, who? I don't know. And then, at that point, you, kinda, you really kind of got a hand in your hip-hop card. Yeah. And for the people who don't know, it's DJ Cool Hurt. So yeah, let's get that straight out there for people. Exactly. Big up to the, to the father of hip-hop. That's right. Birthed it right there. I remember seeing those flyers flying around on the gram, actually. Like those um, old handwritten ones, too. You actually had to write your stuff back in the day, too, I seem like that. Yeah, I mean, nobody was paying no money to go to the graphic artist to get no flyer for a party that was like, if I'm not mistaken, it was like 25 cents for guys, I mean, for girls, and 50 cents for the guys. Damn. Like 50 cents. Jesus like, Christ, they'll be charging ten dollars at the door now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, times have changed, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to date myself or make myself look old. I'm just experienced, but I'm you know, I still got it. You know? Right. Um, actually, because uh, uh, one of my uh main supporters, good people, very good people, shout out to God Blast Beats. Just wondering how do you how do you hook up with God Blast Beats? I hooked up with Bless through, through Flea Law because Bless was banged out the entire uh, Law Talk 2. Oh, okay. So we had, you know, being that, that he produced it and I mixed and mastered it, we had to spend a lot of time, you know, on the phone talking about different things where he had to send me different files for the songs and things of that nature, you know, because he produced that entire project. Yeah, too. Well, and I guess you do got to be on the phone with him, too, because he's in um, ATL and you're in New York. 
Exactly. So we spent a lot of time on the phone, back and forth, emails and stuff. But he's a good dude, very talented producer. Yeah, he's a classic on that shit right there, classic. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Tell Blast almost every day, man. I was like, yo, man, that shit is timeless. Are you gonna look back in ten years, like, damn, I did that shit? Yeah, yeah. And that's gonna be the same with you with that Survivors project too. I was just putting on uh my friend to that, and he was like, yo, is that that Flea Lord on that summertime shootout? And I'm like, yeah, but yo, you gotta go check out like Mr. Meet Me in the Sky or tracks like them. Like those those tracks go hard if you like that one track. And and that's what I noticed too. If you get like a one well known artist. On, on your on your track, they'll they'll go back and look oh. at the stuff too, and this right, they'll they check the hits. Like a lot of I've, I've been noticing, like since we dropped the pro- dropped the project, and people are noticing the association with G Four and Free Lord that they're going back and checking G Four Jack's older stuff and like digging it up now. You know what I'm saying? Because they just you know getting on to it. Well, and then, like you said, too, I was planning on checking out uh, some of that, like, the 9-11 Survivors tape, too, because, like, a lot of things that grab me is covers, too. Um, with you being a producer, because um, I know mm-hmm. producers have um, uh, pro- pro- uh, instrumental albums. I almost said production albums. Would you ever consider doing, like, a big French uh, instrumental album with, like, a very uh-huh. artwork? artwork? That's funny you used to say that. I actually have two instrumental albums, actually three instrumental albums out right now. And they're called, uh, one of them is called Will Produce the Food, Volumes 1 and 2. And the third one is called The Manhattan Project. Me and Billy Swang did one. And because, like, those are all original beats, would you, like, um, consider doing one with, like, like, let's say an instrumental here and then an instrumental featuring a rapper and then going back to the instrumental within that track list? What, like like having an album with a, with an artist and then releasing those instrumentals from that album? No, no, like, um, like, like let's say, like, uh, you start the album off with an original French beat, and then the second track is an original French beat, but it's featuring an artist, and then the third track is just, an, just a beat. Oh, you mean, like, back and forth, yeah. mix it up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's something, that, that's actually something that could be done right away, easily. Yeah, because I notice a lot of people, they'd be looking for something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, see, back in the days, right, I put you up on some, some hip-hop history, they didn't even call it the instrument. You know what they called it? What they call it? The do-it-yourself version. Oh, really? They wanted they wanted the listener to learn how to rap. So remember, at that time, it wasn't really that many rap records or companies back in the day when hip hop first came about. So they called it the do-it-yourself version. And it's crazy what, like, something can one person does, and it just spreads, and it just becomes, like, the biggest thing in the world. Because I don't care what anyone says. Hip-hop is the biggest thing in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's everywhere. No doubt about it. It's been everywhere. There's people just not realizing it. Yeah. That's true. I, mean, I mean, if you look at TV at all, 90% of the commercials you see have a hip-hop beat in the background. You notice that? Yep. That's very true. I always hear, um, like, a uh, what's that track with Puff and Mace? Uh, Been Around the World. I always, or, or Mace's, like, uh, Feel So Good. I can't tell you how much times I heard that instrumental in commercials. Yeah, and every time you hear it on a commercial, the person who produced that beat, they didn't check. Oh, and then, see, that's the thing, too. A lot of producers out there, 
they're not big on publishing and owning their own masters and anything like that. And I'm wondering if you can shed a, a few light light on that too, like about owning and publishing and stuff like that. Because a lot of people they really don't be knowing. Well, here, here's a jewel I'll that everybody got to understand. This is what we're all in. This is called the music business, right? Yeah. The music business. But it's 90% business and 10% music. Okay. Look at it that way. You got to have your, your ducks in a row. You got to have your paperwork ready. You got to have a lawyer on standby to read your contracts when you get them. You know what I'm saying? You got to sign with, sign up with ASCAP, BMI, CSAC to get your publishing right. You know what I'm saying? These things are important. You know what I'm saying? Because here's the thing. If you don't got your business right, guess what? Somebody else will be getting more money off your music than you. Isn't that retarded? Yeah, they'll be jerking you too. Yeah. You got to have your business right. Or, you know, you can definitely prepare yourself to be jerked. Yeah. And a lot of people, they got to be ain't prepared for that. They just come in. And I noticed that too, because like I'm from Canada and a lot of people, they watch people in the States, but it's all about being original. That's why a lot of people, like they don't really blow up because they're not, some of them do blow up because they copy the other person's style, but like you got to be original. Like that's what, that's what, that's what grinds people to, to their fan base. It's originality. Right. That's, that's what hip hop is about, period. Being original, like, let's let's go back a little bit. And you, say you put, like, Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, KRS One, and you put all these artists in the same room, they would never make the same record. Or even a record that sound, one of them would never, you know, they would trash a record if it sounded anything like somebody else's. I know we gotta start over. This sounds like such and such's record, so we gotta do it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know They were hell-bent on being original. Because <laughs> yeah, if you weren't original, man, people will get at you for that. I mean, if you're a biter and you're stealing somebody else's style, then you're trash. I mean, you have no originality. That's not talent. That's copying. Anybody can copy. That's a true. child can copy. That's very true. Anybody can trace, like, the drawing and come out with the same. That's Exactly. True. If I put a piece of tracing paper over a Picasso painting and then I put it out and say, you know what, I did that. Nah, nah, you can't get paid for that. You didn't do that. You copied that. Would um also with producing too, I noticed that some producing they do a lot of ghostwriting. Would have you ever done ghostwriting? Ghostwriting or ghost production? Oh, that's a term that came up on my show, too. Actually, let's get into that before we get into uh, ghostwriting. Can, can you shed a little bit more light on ghost production? Because that came up on my show once before. Ghost production is the same thing as ghostwriting. Like, say I ghost produce your record. That means I produced it, but somebody else say produced by somebody else. I'll still get the check, but the credit goes to somebody else. You see what I'm saying? But they never did the work. That's that's kind of fucked. And that's the same thing about ghostwriting. You didn't do the work. Someone else did the work. You're just reciting what they wrote. Really, you're not. You're not a rapper. You know, you're speech writer. You're speech. You're speech teller. You know what I'm saying? Reading and you're talking. It kind of makes me wonder, like. Because, like you said, from a fan's perspective, we don't really know, right? So it makes me kind of wonder, like, who really produced their own records with, without us really knowing, if that makes sense. 
documentary on something like that and it's crazy what you can find like on um just on the internet yeah. now about like being jerked in the industry when like i said the producers are everything in the industry that's why i wanted to have producers on my show because like i said they deserve just as much credit as if not more than the artist right right well the, the, the producer's responsible for the overall sound of the record you know what i'm saying exactly. you need your rapper there just be spitting some heavy bars but you gotta have a beat that's gonna hold the person there. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about most people. I know me. If I don't like the beat in the first five seconds, I'm off to the next record. Yeah, you won't waste your time on it. Right. I don't even want to hear what the rapper gotta say if I don't like the beat. Yeah, <laughs> you mean you both. You know what I'm saying? So that's a very important job the producer has. You know what I'm saying? My job is to keep you there. You know what I'm saying? To make sure you stick stick around for the lyrics. When you finish a beat, do you drive around or, like, do you walk around? Like, do you, like, put it in your headphones and your phone and just walk around or drive around and just be like, I'm going to tweak this. Or I may do something with a little bit over here. Absolutely. You have to, you know, critique your own work, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I throw my beats on my phone and then I plug my phone into the bar radio or wherever I'm at. And I like to hear how it sounds with different people's speakers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, what it sounds like on a, on an average person's setup as opposed to in the studio. But it's going to always sound super awesome in the studio because, you know, you have studio monitors that are built, you know, for that. Yeah, that's very But cool. actually, now the test is, I don't know about most people, my, my studio test, quality test, is hearing it through the phone speaker because that's the most disrespectful speaker ever made. <laughs> how, come, how come, what made you, like, uh, want to do it through the phone? Because if you can make something sound good through this phone speaker, it'll sound good anywhere. Oh, that's a very good. That's a very good logic on that. Yeah, if I can still like, if I hear a song through the phone, and it's because it, I hate the way it sounds through the phone. Yeah, I hate it. Like when I'm in the studio, somebody plays anything through their phone. I'm easy. I, I stop the music off. I gotta stop. Hold on, cut that shit off, please. <laughs> you know? Yeah, plug it in. Yeah, like, either plug it in through the speakers or just cut that shit off. I don't want to hear it. But but that's 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 the test right there. If you can make it sound good through the phone, then it's going to probably sound good everywhere. That's facts of what you said about the phone speaker is the most disrespectful speaker. It's a very disrespectful audio device. The phone is terrible. Nothing sounds good through the phone. Yeah, that's especially especially too when it's not even on speaker and you can still hear it. I'm like, oh man, you gotta turn that, you gotta switch that off. Yeah, it sounds like you know. I don't know if a lot of y'all remember what white noise is. White noise is like back in the days you'd watch TV and after midnight certain channels would go off. Oh yeah, and then you, you know what I'm saying? You'd be left with just snow, white noise. That's what the phone sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, man. Um, well, and like you said too, uh, Big French, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out your day to do this interview, man. So uh, I want to give a big. No, not a problem, bro. I just want to give. We big, good, we good. I just want to give a big shout out to you. Um, do you have any plans that you would like to share for 2019? Uh, 
Um, listen, just I said, everybody just stay tuned in. Follow me on Instagram, Big French MBP. That's MBP, like Mad Bull Productions, Big French MBP on Instagram. I'm on the book, Frenchie Hunt on, on Facebook. Follow me and keep in tap what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? We're doing a lot. We just dropped G4 Jags album, and I'm working with Flea on his next project. And it's just, you know, steady forward movement. And that's what I like to see, growth and process. Yeah, man. Yeah, but, you know, we do a lot of uh, Instagram live, and so, you know, if, you, if you're following us, you know what I'm saying, I know you guys are following Fleet, because he's down to go live at any given time, you know what I mean? So, just, you know, and you can see the process while we usually do it while we're working. I'm always tapping in when he's going live. Yeah, man, we be right here in the studio making it happen, you know? Um, that's actually another question that I wanted to ask you too, because like, I didn't want to like straight up start off the interview. Like, yo, how would you met Flea? Like, I wanted to be original with it and just be like, let me get French's story. Because like, I noticed that with a lot of interviewers nowadays, like, like, like with a Charlemagne out there, they'd be jumping into the most obvious questions instead of like making people actually want to listen to what the person has to say. Because I seen one person... They're like, I'm just going to wait till he asks this question and so he shuts it off. I'm like, why? Don't you want to hear the rest of the interview? Right. So, um, what's yeah, that that's piece? the opportunity to ask what you need to ask. You know what I'm saying? This way, you know, you're, you as the, as the interviewer should be knowing what your fans want to hear, what questions they want to know. You know what I mean? Well, exactly, too. And, like, and everybody, like, I like coming up with, like, questions that, like, nobody would ask. Like, um... Like, for for a big French, too. Um, we'll get into that, uh, Flea, how you met Flea after. But for with, um, with, with big French, what's something that's a hobby of yours that nobody would ever suspect? Like, PS4, you drink tea, bike riding, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I mean, outside of the music business and outside of everything else, I'm a nerd, bro. I'm a nerd. I'm always, you know, I'm on the computer. I'm researching something. I'm looking up something. Because my thing is, to be stupid is not your fault, but to stay stupid is. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always looking for information. You know what I'm saying? I want to know, I want to know everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to know, and I especially want to know what they don't want, want me to know. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always looking for that. They call me a conspiracy theorist. Oh, you know, cause the shit that I, uh, my G, you very well. I, I can, t I can tell you very woke. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm always looking for the, you know, the shit that they don't think we look at, type of guy. You know. Okay. Um. And I, I love technology. I'm always looking at new technology. What's coming out next? You know what I'm saying? What can I do? Or what can I find online that'll make my studio better? Make me sound better? Make my clients sound better? Make my artists sound better. I'm always, that's what I'm always, my goal is to make my people sound as good as they could possibly sound. What's like the best musical equipment that you ever found online? Um, hmm, the best musical equipment I found online would be a, um, it is a, not a dog, but it's like a VST called, um, Omnisphere. Spectrosonic Omnisphere. Okay. I love that shit. And um, with, uh, what made you want to get that? The sounds in this thing are incredible. Like a lot of people now, they're into this thing called Serum. 
lot of the fruity loopers out there. Yeah. You know, shout out to y'all. I'm a reason guy. I like reason. Okay. Yeah, um, and and I was just fucking around on the internet one day, and I bumped into this VST, VST called uh, Omnisphere. And I, you know, pulled out my credit card. I went and got it. And the shit was dope. It was a very awesome purchase. It didn't, call, it didn't set you back anything crazy like that, I hope not. Yeah, it was a few hundred bucks, but, you know, for, for the money I made back off of it, it's worth it. It, it basically uh, paid paid for itself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then, so uh, with everybody uh, that we probably wanted to hear this question, how did you get down to Flea? I met Flea. How do I meet Flea? <laughs> um, I met Flea through. I met Flea through some. Like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend sort of thing, you know what I mean? And then it just escalated and we just started spending more time around each other. And then here we are, you know what I'm saying? Now this dude is like my little brother. It's funny what uh, hip-hop can create just by like finding like a certain person throughout music too. But you probably knew him before music though. Say again? I said you probably knew him before music though. No, I actually I didn't. Like... This this uh, friendship is actually fairly new. I said, well, how long? A year and a half? Yeah. About a year and a half I've known this guy, but we, we formed such a friendship so fast because it was like the powers that be kind of was trying to keep us apart from each other for whatever reason. Like, you know, and, you know, like minds think alike, and it was just no stopping it. Like, then next thing you know, we around each other every day, and then here comes Lord Talk 2, and now it's solidified. It's a Mabel Productions loyalty to death sort of thing now. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah, that really... Yeah, if you're fucking with me, you're fucking with him. If you're fucking with him, you're fucking with me. That's what it is. That's right. That's why I wanted to reach out to Big French. Right. <laughs> um, Shout out to Dre Vision. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Hey, uh, um, but like I said, uh, uh, Fred, I won't take up much of your time. Um, this is a question I ask all of my guests too, and um, okay, uh, I believe that you give a very good answer for this one. Do you have any words for somebody in a dark place trying to see the light? For someone that's trying to see in the game? No, um, for somebody in a dark place mentally trying to see the light. In a dark place trying to see the light. Open your eyes. Because, like, sometimes the people cannot see when the world's dark around them, though. Yeah, because they got their eyes closed. Open your eyes and see things for what they really are. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times, the biggest problem in life, a lot of people, don't, they don't know how to keep it real with themselves. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. A lot of answers to the questions in life you have are right in front of you that you have to look at them. And a lot of people don't do that, though, to be focusing on the negative things. No, they're, they're, look, they're looking around stuff, you know what I'm saying, instead of looking directly in front of them. It's right under your nose. Just look. It's right there. Very true. Very true. That's uh, No one ever, like, flat out said that on my show. Just open your eyes. Oh, your show's dope, B. Oh, I appreciate that, my show, my G. I appreciate that. Your beats are dope, too. 
days, bro. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm about to roll up to some uh, the survivors after this interview. All right, well, when you get a chance, make sure you check out the instrumental albums. We'll produce for food, volume one and two. Oh, most deaf. Most deaf. I'm about to get get on title and jump on those. All right, bro. I appreciate it, man. Um, is there anything that you like to plug in before I let you go, Big French? All right, y'all. Everybody, make sure y'all run out and grab that Survivors album, G4 Jag. Ten joints, executive produced by my brother, Flea Lord. It's definitely a treat for your ears. Run out and get that. With that being said, I want to give a big shout-out to French, being a part of my legacy, something I love doing. Big shout-out to Flea. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what you just have coming in the future. So you best believe I, you guys got me supporting anything y'all do. Uh, we know. We'll be back, bro. We'll be back. <laughs> I appreciate that. Appreciate that, gents. No, no, bro. We gotta come up to Canada. Y'all got some good. Y'all got some good gas up there. Oh yes, and it's legal too. Oh yeah, it's legal too. That's right. <laughs> yes, he can smoke right in front of the cop. They can't say shit. Hey man, listen. All we need is a reason. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Set it up. We'll be up there. All right, my G. Like I said, a lot of people have been asking me about that, but I'm definitely gonna try to do something by the end of this year. Ah, uh, that'll be dope, man. Let's keep us posted. Will do, sir. With that being said, that's uh, from the Desk of Low, featuring Big French and a little cameo from Flea again. <laughs> Word. All right, so y'all be easy. You too. Um, All right, peace. Peace.